So it's really a mindset thing. It's all about me versus them. Or if you really need in collective action, you actually have to think about the customer, not about you or the hyperscaler. Everybody has to come together. So it's a lot of companies have to transform right now from a mindset level. The best part is the marketplace is driving that behavior change overnight. So we don't have to do. And number three, over $200 billion of contracts are already owned by these big hyperscalers. If you want to tap into that, you have to change the mindset. Otherwise, you will not be even visible. So the visibility is going to bite you if you don't really change your mindset. Just stop it. The run of the mill, cheesy, humdrum bullshit status quo just tires me out. What fascinates me are the industry disruptors, the superhuman frontiersmen or women with errors in their backs who go through hell to achieve their goals. They'll go through anything to make it. They bathe in hell and high water, a cut above. They're intolerant to mediocrity, the status quo, and yet they're the nicest people you'll ever meet. This is Disruption Interruption. Join me as we meet and learn from those mavericks, rebels, and business leaders that aren't afraid to piss off the establishment in order to make radical change for good. This show is sponsored by Johto PR, the disruptive anti-PR firm that murders your competition with cinder blocks and cyanide. Welcome back, everybody, to Disruption Interruption. I'm your host, KJ, and we're here today to talk to another industry leader that has steered off the lame, tired path of the status quo. Ladies and gentlemen, get ready to be blown away by an absolute powerhouse in the world of innovation and entrepreneurship. Our guests' accomplishments are nothing short of awe-inspiring. As a recipient of the Forbes 1000 Next Entrepreneur title and Microsoft Women's Leadership Award, she has been recognized as one of the 100 most innovative MarTech leaders by the World Marketing Congress. Yes, she's a badass. (laughs) She and her team are on a mission to empower sales and marketing organizations, allowing them to thrive in the digital marketplace. More on that later. But I want to tell you about her vision because it stretches far beyond her own success. Her ultimate mission is to generate an astounding $1 billion in net new economic access for women entrepreneurs and professionals by 2013. I love her. Through global partnerships with corporations, community leaders, and policymakers, she's supporting women's economic empowerment like never before. Now, I'm going to keep going because she's an overachiever. She's a multifaceted force to be reckoned with. She's not only a successful entrepreneur, she's also an author, a speaker, a TEDxer, and a United Nations speaker, holder of a patent and a shining example of influential business leadership. She never sleeps. Join us as we dive into her inspiring journey, empowering business owners to thrive through the digital economy. Please welcome Chai, CMO of Mela. Thank you, KJ. It's so excited to be here. The introduction was amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I was amazed when I was writing it. Chai, please tell everybody your full name. And title. So, uh, KJ, my full name is Chaitra Vedalapali. And uh, to make it easy for everyone, I go by Chai. Great. And you say it so beautifully with such a beautiful lilt. <laughs> I love it. Okay. So, let's dive into the digital marketplace. But before we do, 
Tell our listeners, what is your fundamental ingredient for disruptive innovation? What a great question. I think that question should be asked for all the leaders. Uh, But for me personally, is the dilemma. As a person, once you're in a dilemma, then you know is there is an opportunity disrupt. So I look at dilemma from, are you comfortable or are you afraid? Uh, are Are you making ethical decision or non ethical decision? Or you're looking about yourself or versus collective. So every time I'm looking is a dilemma that actually unlocks uh, an opportunity because you have to solve the dilemma with uh, new perspectives, thinking and approach. So let me give you some example. As a mom raising kids with one culture versus assimilated culture, right? Because I had to do that. As a wife, should I be a good wife or be a strongest companion and a partner? As a corporate executive, going with the flow or unlocking new markets. As a community leader, am I doing what others are doing or invest in people's growth? As an investor, am I investing in what I know or disruptions we want to make? So that's kind of the dilemma I look for. You know, that totally makes sense with the whole bio that I read about you. (laughs) I'm like, look at everything she does. But in every one of those things that you do, there is a dilemma. Mm -hmm. And you go for the problem solving. Mm-hmm. You don't focus on the problem. <laughs> so I'm going to take you a little bit into the problem. I want you to really explain to me the current problem with the digital marketplace today. Oh, this is a fascinating one. Uh, with the, you know, if you think about last 15, 20 years, Amazon drove the marketplace transformation and everyone started to use that as a de facto marketplace. So they really changed the way consumers were buying and they disrupted the whole local economic development through one marketplace. The same thing during the COVID, there's a big shift happening in the B2B space. Most of the hyperscalers, which are Microsoft, Google and Amazon, IBM, they're all going after supporting their channel partners through their marketplace so they can put their technologies or technical solutions or technology solutions on the marketplace and then driving the marketing to get to the right customer at the right time. So marketplace did a few things. They simplified the procurement engine very easily. So that was a big disruption is you don't have to have a very lot of paperwork and processes to find the customer, right? So the customer just goes on the marketplace. I love the solution. They can deploy it. They can use it. If they don't like it, they can stop it. If they like it, they can expand it to annual or multi-year contracts. Mm -hmm. The second thing also it did for small and medium-sized companies is to really start to shine in hundreds and thousands of partners. Because if you can solve a problem and it's in the marketplace the customers are looking so they could easily find you. So the marketing became less expensive. And the third one is being very focused on, instead of uh, promoting a brand or a company, you were promoting a solution and the brand is solving that that solution. It was just really fascinating to see that the marketing has shifted more from company marketing to more solution based marketing. And marketplace was the platform or a new sales motion to drive that disruption. So it was, again, a dilemma is, should I go traditional route for selling versus can I use a digital route? And how do I bring my technology 
in the market where people can easily download and the subscription services made it very easy. Yeah, I mean, it's a disruption in itself, right? Yes. And, and then as disruption happens and more and more companies and solutions, you know, get in this digital marketing space, right, of this marketplace, then there becomes a status quo that develops about that. And then there's like non-optimum things like new dilemmas develop, mm-hmm. right? So yes. what are the new dilemmas that have developed out of this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, everyone thought like, I will put things on the marketplace and customers will come flocking to me. No, it doesn't work that way. Uh, <laughs> you have to have a go-to-market in place. You need to know how to market it together because before you were just marketing on your own. As a company, I would go and do events or do campaigns or do whatever it is it become. But once you have marketplace, now you have to market with the brand, which is the hyperscaler. And the hyperscaler is watching you. Now suddenly the stress has gone up because now you don't have a marketing promise. Early it was hidden, now it's open. So now how are you going to navigate? Because they're watching you. They're seeing, can you actually do it? If you do it, then they will unlock go-to-market funding. They will unlock incentives. But now if you don't perform, then you're not going to get the marketing. Now, the biggest thing that also changed is the sellers of these hyperscalers are compensated for driving transactions through marketplace. So now the sellers are watching. So now everybody is watching this SMB company or even a medium size or enterprise company saying that, can you actually perform? Can you drive the right conversations in the market? Can you solve the problem? Can you drive the new disruption that's happening? So now there's a whole new set of dilemmas that they have to go through. Which one was things which were hidden behind the curtain? Now the curtain is open. Now you get to see what's working and not working. So I think that has a big, a big impact that every company has to start thinking about instead of just a go-to-market, now they have to think about better together go-to-market. How do I do collective action? How do I go about making that transformation? Yeah, so uh, such an interesting dilemma. How many solutions now are in the digital marketplace? I would say between Salesforce, Microsoft, Google, Amazon, and IBM, probably at least like 60,000 solutions out there minimum. Uh, this one will explode to, this is just my guess estimate. So please don't me hold me accountable on that. But <laughs> I won't, but our audience might. No, I'm yeah, kidding so you. <laughs> if I'm thinking 60 to 70,000 solutions in tech, by the time you go in next four, four or five years, we will be crossing a million solutions in the marketplace because each and every company probably will be coming an average of three to five solutions that they will be solving because each of the solution is tapping into a specific industry, a specific audience and specific transformation. So that will be a huge explosion. That one will happen. So now your go-to-market has to be much more robust. You have to be unique. You have to be very creative. So the technologists who were all about technology uh, selling, now they have to become a marketeer to sell the solution. So they have to partner with brands like ours to really say, how do we go about it? How do we think about it? And what are all the other marketing strategies we need to 
look, not just print and advertising, but now you have to also think about community-based marketing, ecosystem-based marketing, uh, events, which are not just you and me, the events has to be collective. So now it's going to be pretty spectacular. So for marketing agencies, they also have to change their way of what they were selling because the SEO doesn't work with ChatGPT. Search results have gone down. Content marketing has no value like before because ChatGPT solves that one. So now you have to think about how are you driving the human transformation and how are you moving the market by helping people transform? So that is the dilemma everyone has to solve for. Otherwise, the company pretty much is ready to go bust. Yeah. So in a nutshell, the dilemma is really like the visibility for go-to-market yes. in, the, in the digital marketplace, yes. right? Yes. Yeah. And it's, I find it so ironic. I find everything you know on this planet ironic. <laughs> <laughs> but the digital marketplace was formed to handle that visibility factor, right? But yes. now it's grown <laughs> to such a point that now we have another visibility dilemma, right? Yes. Yeah. So how do you break through this innovation? Like, how do you break through with your innovation, helping these companies really gain the visibility for go-to-market? Like, do you help other agencies as well? We do. We do. So I would say as a go-to-market expert for tech solution, I look at three different angles of what the go-to-market needs to do. The go-to-market needs to drive brand building in the marketplace, that who you are as a brand and what do you do and what's your promise to the world, to your industry. The second one is how are you driving the demand generation? What does that look like? Are you educating? Are you just selling? What's happening in the demand gen, right? The third one is how are you looking at greenfield customer acquisition? Who are your target customers that you're going after and you're nurturing those strategic relationships uh, by partnering and bringing them value. So these uh, greenfield acquisition is something that many of the tech companies really don't know. Unless Can until you Europe. explain that a bit more? Greenfield is like, let's say, let's say I as a company want to win uh, Boeing as a customer. Well, you cannot just go and say, I have a solution. Let me go. Hi, to Boeing. Help no. me. <laughs> I want to help right. you. <laughs> right. The way you have to do is a greenfield acquisition is understanding what the roadmap looks like, what the blueprint is, developing a reference architecture or looking at the reference architecture, coming up with the right solution, and then trying to drive the value. Mm. But for Boeing to get engaged, you have to think very differently of how you engage in aerospace. You have to socialize with them right probably a year before, even they will open up the door for you to come in and say, okay, show me what you have to do. So that patience, which is required, that's also missing now. People want everything immediate, but these things take time, especially in a greenfield customer acquisition. Of course. And let me just say, you know, about that is that everybody wants something now. Usually (laughs) when they go to market, they're at the very bottom of the funnel now. (laughs) But you're talking about long-term, mid-term strategies uh, that really help that, Yeah. right? Okay, great. Go on to your next point. The second is what are the go-to-market models that are available right now? The the things that you see is a founder-led, which is where the founders are connecting to the like-minded people and talking about it, 
hoping that the referrals will come through that like-minded stuff. And the founder is leading the conversation. Second is a product-led, uh, or it's called as PLG right now. It's really a market engagement, but it's led with a solution in mind. The third one, which is where, which is one of, I would say, uh, my favorite is a COSA-led. It's an ecosystem engagement, and it drives- What's it called? So that's really driving the collective action. So when you think about the collective go to market, that was my realization is that you could actually bring the brands, the solutions and the people can come together. And that's where the breakthrough and the disruption happens. That's where the real partnerships happen. So that one was kind of our realization. And that's what we invested as a company to go and help most of the companies to really understand and really implement a COSA-led go-to-market, which drive ecosystem engagement. And it's an infinite or infinite kind of access that you create through that work. I actually love that because it handles a dilemma, not just for, I mean, it handles dilemma on all sides because on one aspect, these companies want visibility, but the other aspect, these other companies want solutions. Exactly. Right. And exactly. they all are aiming towards the very same thing. Exactly. A better economic output, better service for their customers. It's a win-win. Perfect. Do you want some examples? I'll sure because I think it'll make it real. Yes. Give me examples. Let me talk about Barbie as the movie and let me talk about how they let the co-sell go to market. Hmm. They should be talking about that because if you think about the hyperscaler was Mattel, they had the Barbie licensing. They owned the IP of Barbie, right? Warren Brothers actually created a movie and they also let the go-to-market. So what they did is they had they had a print and advertising budget as part of the movie production, but they went very innovative because they had 100 plus partnerships and merchandising was at the core so they could drive the economic impact by everybody buying the products. Everybody could customize the products. So the merchandising was at the core of this go-to-market execution. That means reach and revenue and economic impact was kind of the output. The emotion was nostalgia. So they knew they could tap into the women of our age and we of have stories. Course. Right, we were. The I had so women. many Barbies growing up. My sister, me too. And I, me, for too. Sure. <laughs> me too. So, in the midst, they didn't know that the Hollywood strike would happen, but this one was released in the midst of Hollywood strike, and audience and brand led the movie to probably it will become the number one movie of the decade. So now, let me talk about the impact. They had a hundred million dollar budget to make the movie. The gross sales was seven hundred eighty million, and still yet to be known. But merchandise sales, we still don't know. I think it's crossed over a billion dollars. Wow. All the things. No, that is a COSA led go to market. So that is how it looks. So now when you look at a tech company, so the best thing would be an example, which Accenture and Microsoft, they formed a partnership around the generative AI. They're focusing on a sustainability solution, mm. making sure the CEOs have the right framework, the blueprints to drive sustainability. So they are forming a lot of partnerships. So they actually formed a strategic partnership with Women in Cloud for driving diverse 
founders and professionals to get engaged in a sustainability conversation to lead sustainability. The emotion was, let's do it together. We cannot do it. You, we want you to be part of it. And the audience were focused on CEOs and board members and activations they're doing across the world, multiple things. Do you think they will stand out? Absolutely. They'll be the number one sustainability brand in the ecosystem. But that is a COSA-led go-to-market. That's fascinating. Both of those are great examples. I love how you give the Barbie example first. Kind of take it out of the realm of the tech world and then go back to the tech world so we can understand it, right? Absolutely. (laughs) So is that what Mela really focuses on? Is the co-sell-led solutions? Are you really look for that? So we look for uh, companies who actually have a mindset to do co-sell go-to-market. Most of the CEOs, they don't believe in it. They don't believe marketing is important. They believe that technology That's solution- That's a tech company for you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's really a mindset thing. It's all about me versus them. Or if you really need in collective action, you actually have to think about the customer, not about you or the hyperscaler. Everybody has to come together. So it's a lot of companies have to transform right now from a mindset level. The best part is the marketplace is driving that behavior change overnight. So we Mm -hmm. don't have to do. And number three, over $200 billion of contracts are already owned by these big hyperscalers. If you want to tap into that, you have to change the mindset. Otherwise, you will not be even visible. So the visibility is going to bite you if you don't really change your mindset. So it's kind of pretty beautiful. So they need us to help them transform not only their plan, they do need as a coastal ramp to revenue offering that we have to really help them think differently, to build a better together plan, and then execute a plan that is sustainable as a system, a go-to-market system. And that is what will make them very successful. I can't imagine anybody arguing with you on this. <laughs> Because you're so excited about it. You have such enthusiasm and it makes total sense, but it really is an ecosystem for all sides. I think you mean the lack of visibility is going to bite them. And I would imagine you get more visibility with a wholesale solution. Exactly. Where do you have the most trouble sometimes with, do you ever have resistance on the cell led solution when you bring this up? Are people starting to naturally gravitate towards this? Of course. Have you seen I'm a woman? Let's start there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's start there. <laughs> uh, I have to prove that this is the most important thing you need to have, right? So that is one. The second one is most of the companies don't know how to budget the funding for this one. Because it's a long-term play, they think of, they think in short terms. Mm. So uh, trying to get the early wins is critical. So that's where there's a lot of pressure on it. Uh, so we have like around you know, 35 different strategies that we have in our playbook. We basically use and talk about it. So we go from anywhere from brand building is simply coming into our network and talking about it to really scaling what the greenfield execution looks like. But it really starts with building a strategic plan. But I always say the planning process is the most insightful for them, not just the plan, right? Because they have to go through that mindset shift. And once they see that we are able to bring the warm introductions for them, 
it's breakthrough. People want my Rolodex. That's all they want. Give me my <laughs> Rolodex. Sure they do. Get me connected. Um, and uh, I, I do it with very open heart. And the whole team does it with open heart. And with Women in Cloud, we basically made that one a network which has infinite access. So everyone can come and open up doors for each other and really grow together. We have to drive economic development through partnerships. Yes, that's beautiful. And, you know, you mentioned that the planning process itself is just as important as the strategy that comes out of it. I would imagine it's cathartic for these companies and these founders to go through this. It is. It is. KJ, there's one a slide called as a magic slide. It's called as a better together slide. I have not seen a company who can do it. And it's one page slide. It takes probably three to four hours to put it together. But also it opens up your mind as you go through it. But they take six months. I had a company which took one year. And I'm like, just fill this one. I if you don't to get through it. Okay, tell me more about this. <laughs> so let's say if you're a tech company and you want to build, you want to talk about a solution. You just need to know what your solution is, what your audience is, what's your value, what's your differentiation, how do you make money, or how do you create, you know, the recurring revenue model. It doesn't take a lot. It's just you. You have to go through it. It takes a lot of time. They keep hmm. scrubbing and changing and stuff, and they just can't really focus. So it's a focus issue. And then it is also a fear of like, oh, my God. I so knew it. <laughs> I knew it. I was going to say they're probably afraid, <laughs> right? Yeah, because they look at the document and they're like, oh, my God, I, have, I don't have anything or I don't think I'm good uh, or I start to compare myself to others. Yes, all of that. That's the dilemma piece. Should I do it or not do it? But how do you push do them through it? it? <laughs> Chai, how do you push them through it? Through the offering that we did, we basically create a co-sell ramp to revenue offer. So companies who have a transactable solution on a marketplace or they don't, we go them, we basically take them through an assessment. We have a consulting offer so we can help them. So as they're talking, we just fill it up for them because then they're like, Okay, they don't have to do it on their own. <laughs> and then they're like, then we say, okay, now do a pitch. Go try this pitch with three to five companies and see if it sticks. If it doesn't, we come back and rechange it. So that has helped a lot for most of the companies to kind of um, overcome that fear. Right. Judging themselves. Right. Yeah. Just do it for me, with me. Exactly. <laughs> I'll, exactly. I'll close my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> You know, tell our listeners like an ideal customer profile for you. Ideal customer profile, a company which has a series A, B, C, D, and in uh, mid-sized to enterprise companies who wants to uh, strategically market their solutions through the marketplace in partnership with these hyperscalers. And they want to stand out in the market. They want to be on their big stages like Inspire, Google Cloud, uh, AWS, Ignite, you name it, those stages. And there is a specific roadmap to get there, to be seen, to unlock the MDF funding and also unlock their uh, sellers to sell your products or pitch your products in front of the customer. It is a roadmap. If you don't do it, you don't get it. So that's what <laughs> brings the offering to it. But there are a lot of people who are doing different types of it. 
but most of the companies don't understand what it takes to build an effective go-to-market. There are a lot of technologies. There are a lot of companies who are trying to teach how to use the technology. It's not a technology thing. It's a mindset and it's a plan you need to have in place. And then you use technology to enable all the pieces. That's really a mic drop moment. It's a mindset, right? Yes, Yes, absolutely. Okay, so you are the dilemma solver in Mela. (laughs) And, you know, you've mentioned women in cloud. You're very passionate about helping women. So I'm going to divert just a little bit. Sure. You know, you have a vision to really help give women economic access globally. Where does that come from with you, right? Like, was that one day, like, is this just a series of, you know, events that you went through in your life? Have you always been that way? Did you finally wake up one day and said, that's freaking it. I'm doing something about this. Like, tell me like this dilemma that you've been like aspirational about for so long. KJ, if anyone knows me, I've been like always building communities from the time I remember from the age eight, I remember I was always building community. Of what friends. did you build when you were eight? Yeah. So it's like always had a tribe of people to do fun things. And we used to do because we could go get ice cream or anything or go and so you watch had a, a coalition movie. to go get ice cream together. Exactly. Yeah. Movie <laughs> and ice cream was my uh, enough of a carrot to do any community work. So always have been surrounded by that. So I know the power of when you're together. And also there is every, every dilemma needs a community to solve for. It just doesn't happen by itself, right? Mm -hmm. So you have a tribe of people helping you through navigate that. But for Women in Cloud, like before Women in Cloud, I've done a lot of youth programming. So a lot of entrepreneurship skills, helping them adopt technologies like 3D printing. So university integration, um, economic development with the states. I've done a lot of those things around driving broadband access, getting 3D printing in the ecosystem so the kids can play. So we worked at Costco to bring those printers onto those shelves so the kids could play with it. So a lot of interesting things we did. So when I left Microsoft, and that one I was doing when I was at Microsoft, right? So then when I left Microsoft, I joined my husband. He was he was leading the company, but he had a B2C offering. It's a marketplace solution he had. At that time, we couldn't really grow the marketplace technology, but what we learned was what it takes to get on marketplace and be a very successful at go-to-market with that. And as part of going through leaving the Microsoft and then coming back into the real world, what I we realized is um, the B2C model There's a lot of disruption happening, but only Amazon is going to win. But we also started to see the B2B transformation happening in the marketplace. So that's when we associated with Microsoft and led 5,000 companies to be trained on the new way of doing business with them. So we learned a lot of those work. And as that, during the time, I had gone and met with an investor and I said, I need funding to really grow the company. What was the answer? No, right? And that one was enough for me to say, no, all the doors are closed. The supplier doors are closed. The hyperscaler doors are closed. Funding doors are closed. I think it's a problem I think women are facing. So anyway, I went to my friends. We just were having coffee. And I said, I think we just solved this access problem. I don't think anyone opens up the door for us. And I don't know why. It's women and men that don't know how. 
So uh, we wrote down on a napkin, how about we create access for 1 million? And then we looked at him like, we're from corporate. Like, no, we are operating billions. And I was like, no, let's do 10, no 100. And then we say, let's do a billion. And a billion dollars uh, was an intention because when you open a billion, the second billion is very easy to do. Mm. And if you do second, third, it opens up because you have created a massive network of it. So my friends did ask me, are you going to commit for this? Or it's just like a thing. We said, okay, let's bring a people together to see if this is a real problem. So we curated a few of my friends to do an event at the Microsoft Conference Center. We begged and borrowed all the things to do it. And uh, it was uh, in January. We None of the registrations had happened. It was just like 12. And we had we only wanted to have 35 people in the room. But then the Me Too campaign happened in the mm-hmm. process. And something changed. That event, which was supposed to be 30 people, we had 450 people in the room. And we were like, there's something just happened. And we didn't even have a solution. I'm sitting with my friend, Karen. I said, what are we going to announce? The press is here. They probably want to hear something. And I said, but I don't want to talk about discrimination, racial equity. I want to talk about access. So we basically went on the stage and said, we are going to create a cloud go-to-market accelerator for women in partnership with Hyperscaler. All my friends, can you help me make that? We announced it. And we basically on the stage said, how many of the founders here are ready to join? Literally every founder signed up and the press caught that attention. And then basically we sat and said, are you signing up for this or what is the whole thing? We <laughs> That's kind of the gen- genesis of Women in Cloud. It's be, and I committed to 10 years to do this one to see what's possible. Uh, right now, we are sitting at 100,000 people who are benefiting from our work in 27 countries. Um, and we have become one of the most influential voice in the tech industry. We did not even exist five years ago. And now, not only the dilemma of should we do it versus should we just stay and wait for someone else to open the door? Or we just go open, not one door, but multiple doors for each one of us. So we have seen some significant transformations for women. Oh my gosh, that is beautiful. You are such a beautiful person. I absolutely love this. And I love that, you know, I don't know how Me Too like entered into all of this, but it became a catalyst for you. And you capitalized on it, not from the point of the problem and the controversy and the harm, right? But you went at it from the point of access Mm -hmm. and that Mm -hmm. pent up demand has really started to pay off for you. A hundred thousand. Is that right? Wow. That's great. It's growing. (laughs) Yes. And we just extended now by unlocking uh, the Hollywood ecosystem and uh, really establishing the first movie fund run by the tech women to change the narratives of how the stories needs to be told so we can inspire the world, make movies as a nation building platform. And we bring that to the market. Imagine now these communities not only help each other, but the movie storytelling will unlock each one of them to become the icons in the industry. No, we can provide a blueprint. That's beautiful. You're taking that lack of visibility problem and making it accessible to so many that actually have been underserved. 
Absolutely. I love it. (laughs) Okay, Chai, what do you do in your, in your spare time? Like, do you have any crazy passions? I do. I do. Uh, I love dark painting. So everything that, because it helps me calm down my mind. So I spend a lot of time in just painting with dots. So, and I have multiple colors. So anytime there's a negative thought, I will put that as a red. If it's a positive thought, I'll put it as blue or green, whichever is the mood. So I get to see is how my thoughts are moving through the conversation, whatever the thread I want to think about. Usually it takes an hour to do it. I love dancing. Uh, if I could dance every day, I would. But I don't, I'm, I'm a classical dancer, like trained as a classical dancer, but I don't get a chance to dance. But whenever the music is there, I am all in. <laughs> um, and movies. I love to watch movies. Uh, I am every Friday I'm at the theater uh, watching movies and then entertaining people. That's like my passion. Yep. You're a party girl. Yeah. Miss community girl. There you go. Well, <laughs> when I see you and we get together, we're going dancing. How about that? Absolutely. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Chai, tell people how to get a hold of you. Oh, very simple. People can get me connected through LinkedIn for sure. Uh, you can meet me somewhere at a theater in Washington state or anywhere in the festivals I will be in. So you get to hang out with me and then basically hanging out with my friends and family. Uh, I just love, I love one-on-one. I love one to many, but I'm an introvert. So I want as lesser crowd possible to really hang out. But when there's a big event, I have my show, showtime Chaitra in action. <laughs> <laughs> the dancer comes out. That's exactly. Awesome. <laughs> and then the website of your company is Mela.com, M-E-Y-L-A-H.com or WomenCloud.com. And tell us what Mela means. Oh, Mela means a community that generates commerce. That's what Mela means. Hell so if yeah. you work with us, we'll create a community that generates commerce for you. There you go. And solves the dilemma. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And before we go today, what is a lesson learned and inspiration? Like, what do you want to leave our audience with? I would say when when you're looking at yourself and you're looking at the world uh, where you're facing a dilemma, there are three uh, litmus tests you can do. One is, can I talk about it or can I do something about it? So I would ask everybody to do something about it. So pass that litmus test. A second is, am I a giver or a taker in that dilemma? So kind of work through that. I would always say is always give because dilemma resolution becomes very easy. And third is, are you coming with a negative mindset or a positive mindset? So coming with a positive mindset, you build trusted relationships. You actually unlock the doors you have never done. So always have that litmus test when you're going through a dilemma. I think you'll find the answer that you need and you actually know the answer. It just gives you a litmus test to get you to the answer. That's beautiful. Thank you, Chai. Thank you. All right. That's a wrap, everyone. If you learned something today or laughed, go tell someone about this podcast and tell people to go disrupt their markets with a tidbit from the show. Thanks for listening to Disruption Interruption, where we transform lives, change consumer behavior, alter economics, and never accept the status quo. Ciao for now. Because we live in a highly litigious society with America being one of the top litigious countries in the world, here's our legal disclaimer. This advice is not intended to be a substitute for professional public relations or legal advice. Do not disregard seeking professional legal healthcare or financial advice or delay seeking professional PR or legal advice because of something you have heard here. 
contact an attorney to obtain advice on any particular legal issue or problem. Use of this podcast or our website or any of its social media or email links do not create an agency-client relationship between Joto PR and the user.